How to Play, Episode H, 2011 Year in Review and Top 50. Hello and welcome back to the How to Play podcast. This is your host, Ryan Sturm, coming to you from the How to Play studios in Western New York. The How to Play podcast is all about learning and teaching games. In each episode, I provide a full explanation to help you learn and learn to teach another great game. For more How to Play episodes, special episodes, teaching guides, our discussion forums, and to help support the show, visit our website at www.howtoplaypodcast.com. Also, be sure to visit our affiliated podcast on the Dice Tower Network at dicetowernetwork.com. Now let's get to today's episode. Hello everyone, welcome back and a happy new year to you. I am actually recording this on New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2011. The end of the year is a great time for reflection, time to look back in the year of games, and, and it's something that's fun to do, just think about the games that we've played and think about you know where they stack up and what you'd like to play and what you certainly would not like to play in the future. And that's what this episode is all about. It's about me getting a chance to just muse on the games that I've played for the year. I'm going to go over the games that I've played and give you an updated top 50 list. So what I did was I... I took my old top 50 and I thought about all the games that I've played and, and thought about whether any of those would crack the top 50 and made some readjustments to that list that I did a year ago. I spent a lot of time thinking about what I like in games. And in looking at these top 50, you know, a few things come up over and over again. There are certain themes that really appeal to me. I like, you know, I, I like a lot of train games, but I don't think it's the train thing that appeals to me so much as the whole idea of building a network. It, it just really hits on something that I really enjoy. I think it's the narrative of that, you know, starting small and building out across a country or a landscape that's, that's really enjoyable to me. You know, along those same sort of lines, civilization games really appeal to me as, you know, you start off as this small entity and you build and build and anything that has that sort of element where you start small and you build throughout the game giving the game sort of a nice narrative structure is something that I really enjoy in games. I also really enjoy thematic integration. Straight abstracts generally aren't enough for me. I really like for there to be some sort of connection between what you're doing mechanically in the game and what the theme of the game is and having there be a real connection there in the games that I play. I'm also looking for a good amount of depth. You know, there, there's a reason that I chose to do a top 50, and that's because I really want to pick out the games that I, I want to play over and over again. When I play games, you know, I, I like learning games, but I don't just want to learn games all the time. I want to really dig into games. And so I'm looking for games that... I can play at least 10 times and, and hopefully 100. So that's what I'm thinking about as I make this list. And in going back over it, that's sort of how I made some of the decisions involved in moving different games around on the list. I did add some games to the list. And in deciding which ones to bump off, I mean, the real decision was which of these games have I not played? And if I haven't played them, then they're probably going to get bumped down or bumped off the list. Or if I have not played them, do I want to play them right now? Am I excited to play them soon? So that's what I hope for in the creation of this list. There's not a lot of light games or filler games, novelty games. And those of you who listen to this show or, or Ludology know, you know, cooperative games, party games, war games, these, these aren't 
categories that I'm really into. I also like games that are sort of an investment that you really have to dive into and dig around and figure out how to get better. And, you know, it's really frustrating when you have these games and you play them and they're such an investment to learn. And then you play them, you're sort of like, you know, I spent all that time struggling and learning this game and now I'm just not really that interested in playing it anymore. And when you play these longer, more complex games, I mean, that's sort of the struggle is you, you got to spend one or two games learning it. And then you need to have people who are willing to continue to explore those games, which can be sort of a struggle in this uh, constant cult of the new phenomenon that we always talk about. And the problem seems to be getting worse as uh, more and more games just keep flooding out. You know, this year, I think a record number of games came out, hundreds of new games. And, I, you know, I think that's part of the, the Internet revolution affecting board games. And people are taking things into their own hands and, and publishing games. And there's just so many games out there that it's hard to even know where to start. And that's why... When I'm looking at games to play, I almost really like looking at older games that are still popular and that still have a following. Because, you know, with these 800 games that came out this year, how do you how do you even know where to start with any of these games? Because, you know, any game that's still being played now that came out, you know, 10 years ago is, is almost a miracle, or 20 years ago, some of these classics. But now, I mean, with the hundreds of games that come out, even even games that still see play, that are just a few years old, and that people still really enjoy, those are games that really are worth looking into. I think the test of time is just an excellent factor for determining the, the quality level of a game. Look back at 2010. How many of the hundreds and hundreds of games that came out in 2010 is anyone really still interested in playing those are the games that, that i'm interested in playing and so you'll notice a few older games that were added to the list I, I really like to watch games sort of settle and see which games rise to the top that's sort of my strategy for figuring out which of these hundreds of games to look for you know i i don't even dig that much into all the games that come out and just sort of wait and see you know next year which games from last year are, are people still talking about and playing I've also come to the conclusion that there's some games that the game experience is important. It's got to be sort of more than just you know, pushing pieces and, and playing the game strategically, that the game provokes some sort of emotional response and excitement. And maybe it's a, maybe it's a thematic connection that, that people get caught up in the theme, but are also able to combine that with some strategic thinking and have to make some difficult choices. So games that can provide an experience that is more than just a game. You know, I think about, you know, have my tastes changed at all from last year? Or is there anything different that I'm looking for? You know, I, I think I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit more of an appreciation and a desire for elegant gameplay. You know, I, I really, it's one of the things I like about some of these older games is that they, they didn't try to do too much. And I, I see, I have some of my simpler games this year that that went over the top of a few of the more complex games i think there's really an art to creating a game experience that doesn't feel clunky and that's what i, I try to have here on this list but before we get to the good stuff uh let's get to the games that just didn't quite make it
So here are the games I played this year that are not on the top 50 list. Many of these are newer games from the last year or two, but there's a few older games that I'll talk about here as well. You know, a common thread to some of the games that aren't going to make the top 50 list are games that just tried to be too much like another game. Having so many games, one of the things we've seen, there's a struggle to find something new in games. I think there are a lot of those hundreds of games that came out trying to be the next great cooperative game or the next Dominion deck builder style game or the next Yahtzee variant game. A lot of games that didn't really do anything new or didn't combine things in an interesting way to make it different from the thousands of games that are already out there. Three of the games I'd point to that sort of do that sort of thing are uh, Eminent Domain was uh, another deck builder that, that just didn't really do anything for me. I, I don't like deck builders to begin with. Uh, Elder Sign was sort of an Arkham-themed cooperative Yahtzee variant, which is sort of the perfect storm of elements I don't like in games. And Quarriers, which took the deck builder and, and added the dice component and didn't make the deck building experience any better for me. I think actually it made it worse. A couple other games that fall into that category for me are Magnum Sal, which was sort of an interesting worker placement game about you know mining salt out of, out of the mine. And it was pleasant enough and, and I liked it, but I, I don't think I need to ever play it again. Along the same lines, Belfort. Uh, I had heard good things about this one. You know, it was nice enough. It, it was worker placement, get resources, make buildings, but there just wasn't enough points. There wasn't enough depth, and it was really long. So I don't think I need to play Belfort again. Alien Frontiers took sort of that Kingsburg idea of using dice in a worker placement game, and it, it was a little light for me. Didn't grab me like it grabbed a lot of people. I, I just don't think it's deep enough, weren't really enough choices for me. I talked earlier about elegance in games and, and games that just have too much going on. Shipyard is definitely one of those games. This is a game I tried once. I thought, ah, oh, it's all right. And then you play it a second time, and you're like, wow, that's a lot of work to um, build a ship. There's just so many rondelles and so many resources, and ugh, it's too much for not enough payoff. I am going to be selling Shipyard. A few other older games that I tried, uh, Louis XIV, uh, Rudiger Dorn game, I believe. And this is interesting mechanically. There's no theme involved whatsoever just kind of dry, dry, dry. The, the gameplay is sort of interesting, but I'm going to be avoiding Louis XIV. Tinner's Trail, an old Martin Wallace game that thematically was pretty interesting. It was just a little bit too much in the middle for me. It's a, a little too light to be a real gamer's game and too complex, really, to bring out with anyone else. Another older game that I got a chance to play this year was Silverton. This is a game that I really enjoyed. It's a very unique game, uh, but it's it certainly shows its age that when you play it, um, it's it's not at all what you would call elegant. Uh, it has some issues to it. It's a lot of random elements. There's not a lot of interaction. I think it has a tendency to sort of play out the same way every time you play it. But it's a very good game experience that I enjoy, and I'm glad to have it on my shelf. Black Friday was a newer economic game that I played. It was a pretty good ec little economic game. The rules had all sorts of issues, and I think if they would have streamlined it just a bit, it, it really had potential to be a very good game. But it's not one I'm going to seek out to play again soon. 
At the Gates of Lo Yang, this is Uwe Rosenberg's trilogy, I guess, with Agricola and Lahav. I, I purchased this because it's at sort of bargain prices. It is a okay game. It's a solid seven. It's just not as good as Agricola and Lahav. And it, to me, it's solely a two-player game. So Lo Yang is, is a solid okay game, but it's not going to make the top 50. Liberté was an older game I picked up. It's supposed to be a heavier Wallace game. And when I read the rules, I was just like, oh, it's just kind of an area majority game with a few twists. And when I played it, it has these alternate victory conditions. And I just didn't enjoy it. I was really soured on it. I think for me, area majority as a main mechanic in the game, I want to just stay away from games that that have that. It's turning out to be a mechanic that, that I just really don't like, especially when there is a lot of freedom as far as where to place your cubes or whatever in the different regions. I think I may just be sick of it. It was probably a lot more fresh when this game came out uh, several years ago, but in my opinion, this one didn't really hold up very well. It didn't do enough things differently, like, say, one of my favorites, Dominant Species. But even even Dominant Species, I've sort of cooled off on a bit for some of those same reasons. The most horrible game I played this year was a game called Roadkill Rally, where you score points for running these little figures over of old men, women, and children. Uh, this is, you know, there's only a few games that I can't play I just can't stand because of the theme and this is certainly one of them I, I don't find that idea funny I don't think it's entertaining to play and why other people would I guess it just boggles my mind one of the miniatures I think it's an older man but it looks like a pregnant lady and the idea of you know you score two points for you know trying to run over people that just I offensively have a real hard time with it and I was even more offended when they explained the rules and the mechanics of the game because it's a terrible terrible game we it's supposed to play six player and we all sat there sort of boxed in and couldn't go anywhere and then about five turns in we all quit because it was terrible to some more positive gaming experiences I got a chance to play Game of Thrones the living card game I picked that up and had a few games of that and I I enjoyed it. It's a good game. I don't think I'm going to put um, living card games or collectible card games. If I were to do that, I would have to put Magic on the list. But, you know, this is really a board game list. So I think I decided last year I wasn't going to do that. I like this Game of Thrones card game, but it's it's an investment. It's almost a hobby in itself, just like Magic. And as such, I can't really find people to invest in it enough to play it more. It's a good game, but if you could find a few people who really wanted to dig into it. Even with just the core set, there's just there's not enough there. You know, half the thrill is sort of creating your own deck and, and getting more cards, and, and that's not something I'm going to do. I talked on Ludology about playing Phil Eklund's Origins, and I really enjoyed that experience as a simulation game of the development of mankind, and I really enjoyed this, this whole experience and, and learned a lot. And there were some very interesting mechanics that this designer used, and if you want to learn more about that, definitely listen to the Ludology episode on simulations. But is it a game I'm going to play a lot more? Probably not, because it crosses that line of it's more of a, an experience of a simulation than it is a game. I mean, it's not, not really meant to be a game that you should play 
strategically seriously. You know, it's more about the experience of going through it and learning things that way. And as such, it's a very good game. I got to play the Ares Project with the famous designer this year, and that was really a good experience. I think Jeff did a, a really nice job in creating a game that people have not really seen before. There's a lot of innovative ideas in that game, and I really urge the listeners to give that a try, not only because it's, it's a good game, but also to support my buddy Jeff. Uh, but it's a very good game. I enjoy it very much. So it's a game that's uh, best with two players, and, and I just don't play a lot of two-player games, except maybe with my wife. A Few Acres of Snow I actually played with Jeff Engelstein as well, and I really enjoy this game. Same thing with Ares Project. It's a, a two-player game, and I don't play two-player games that much, but it's a very good one. It's a really interesting take on the deck builder system. My favorite take on the deck builder system. It really has that thematic integration that I, I love so much. So certainly a winner, just uh, doesn't fit in with the games that, that I play often. Dungeon Lords was a game I played a couple of times. A lot of people requested that I did that for the show, so I gave it a try. And it was a fun experience, but the thing about this game, I talked about investment level in games. Dungeon Lords has quite a high investment level, and it's something you'd have to get people to play multiple times. It's kind of a stinker to learn, as there is a lot going on. It doesn't sort of have that elegance that I talked about earlier. And the other thing that it has is a lot of chaos. You know, there's simultaneous action selection. And for me, there's just a disconnect in this game for the amount of investment and the amount that's going on in the game compared to sort of the unpredictability and chaotic nature of the game. And for those reasons, I don't think I want to play this one again. So Dungeon Lords is not going to make the list. Steffenfeld's Macau is a game that I played a couple times, and I really like this one. It is another solid, solid game by Steffenfeld. I think that the production pushed this one down. I really don't like the cards. I think they could have done such a better job putting this game together, which is a shame because the gameplay is very good. It's, it's a solid game, but it's, it's not going to make the list. The games that I really want to play more in this following year, I, I want to play Twilight Struggle more. I got a chance to play just once, and, and I had a good time when I played it the first time. Same with, with 1960. I'd like to give that a go as well. Eclipse is the new hot game a lot of people are talking about and seems like it would be up my alley. Martin Wallace's Aeroplanes, which disappeared and went into limbo, apparently. Uh, they were showing it off at Gen Con, and it was supposed to come out this year, and there's no mention of it ever since. The new Sid Meier's Civ I'd like to try again. I played it once, and, and I thought it was all right. I'd like to dig into it another play. I didn't get to play Urban Sprawl or Antiquity or Roads and Boats yet. Vasco da Gama, I have to try this to see if I hate it as much as Tom. Glenmore, I still haven't played Innovation. Lancaster, of course, the new uh, Rosenberg game Aura and Labora. And games I've played once that, that I'd like to give in our shot. Glory to Rome, hopefully with the new art. I'm looking forward to that. London, I'd like to try more Cyclades. Other games I'm really looking forward to trying. Trajan and this Vinhos that's been tempting me for a long time and, and just not coming out. And listeners, if you have any recommendations of games I should check out that I didn't just mention, please let me know there at the Guild or suggest them for games on our How to Play Request Geek List. So now it's time to say a sad, sad goodbye to eight games that are missing. Well, actually nine, but we'll get into that more later. Um, eight games that 
have lost their glory spot there on the top 50 list. And these are games I maybe haven't played in the last year, maybe haven't really wanted to, and but they're still all good, solid games. Uh, we'll miss you. Uh, maybe I'll have a beverage tonight in your honor for each of these fine, fine games. Uh, Struggle for Rome, Tikal, Ellison, Kronos, Modern Art, Citadels, Cathedral, and Domain. We will miss you. Maybe you will be back, but I am thinking that none of these probably will be back. Maybe Modern Art? Maybe? I don't know. We'll see. So that was a long introduction. Now, drumroll please. What the heck was that? Skippy, what What do you mean we don't have a drum roll? I've got over 2,000 sound. There's not a drum roll? But there's a sitar? This isn't a flashback sequence. It's an important announcement. It requires a drum roll. Forget it. Let's just, let's just do it. Number 50 to 41. Here we go. Number 50, Taj Mahal. This, I... I went back and forth about whether it was going to get knocked off. I do like it. It's a, it's a very solid game. It's a, there's 13 or so auctions, and you, you have to play your cards in order to win the auctions, and it's like 13 games of chicken. Everybody has to keep laying down cards until they either quit or decide to invest more resources. Not a lot of theme there, but a lot of fun. Number 50, Taj Mahal. Number 49, Carson City. Again, this one and the next one uh, were ones that I really debated swapping in with some of those eight that I knocked off the list. Curse City, this is a game I played this year, and it didn't go over so well. I would like to play it more. It's worker placement. It's got a great Western theme, but I'm starting to think it, maybe it's not as good as I thought it was. Number 49, Carson City. Number 48, Twa. Scraping onto the list, the... Dice game Trois uses dice in a very unique way. It also has the uncanny ability to drive people to abuse sound effects, but that's another topic. Trois is an interesting game, but it's a game I think that requires that investment and whether I'm going to find people who are going to want to play Trois five more times over the next year, I'm not really sure, but, but we're going to find out. I would like to for sure try it again this, this next year to see if it's a game deserving of a lot more play. Number 48, Twa. Number 47, Robo Rally. This one I, I couldn't leave off the list. It, it handles that game experience that I talked about so much, and that is just so much fun to crash those robots, the unpredictability. I mean, this game, it, it has the length. Um, we talked about the dichotomy there of dungeon lords, of, of chaos versus the amount of rules. Well, Robo Rally doesn't have a lot of rules. It's uh, it's just length and randomness. And if that's something that you, know, you don't mind, a long game that can be very random, but a lot of fun, you got to play Robo Rally, number 47. Number 46, In the Year of the Dragon. This one went down a bit because it's not a game that's hit the table a whole lot, but it's a game that I think is very unique. This is a game about scarcity and managing your resources, again, by one of my favorite designers, Stefan Feld, in the Year of the Dragon, number 46. Number 45, La Chita. This is a game that sits on my shelf, and I want to play it, but it never seems to come out. Again, it's a, a very unique game, and one of the reasons I like it is because it's not like any of the other games on my shelf. 
It's a game about building different towns, but you can sort of suck population away from other people. It's a really good time. It has a lot going on. It has that investment issue that we talked about earlier. I think it takes a couple games to sort of get that learning curve of what's going on. Number 45, La Chita. Number 44, we have our first newcomer to the list, and that's Age of Industry. This is sort of the second coming of Brass, and I played this many, I think three or four times this year, and I debated whether or not to put it on the list. I don't like it as much as Brass, but I do like it. It's definitely a game that if someone were to pull that out, I would certainly play that again. There's some new maps, I guess, for it. There's a Minnesota one. You know, being a Minnesotan myself, I would love to give that a go. And it's worth owning all on its own, and I may have to pick it up. That's number 44, Age of Industry. Number 43, Raw. Classic auction game. I think everybody should own. Great Reiner Knizia. Just a few choices, but some really hard ones. Egyptian-themed that doesn't really matter. Uh, auction game Raw, number 43. Number 42, Chinatown. Best negotiation game out there. It's uh, it's a great you know one-hour experience. I like the free-for-all negotiation round that the new edition uh, calls you to do. I, I, I just like that sort of experience. If I'm going to negotiate, it might as well be a free-for-all. And if you want that kind of a game experience, Chinatown is a great game for it. Number 42. Number 41, Carcassonne. Carcassonne is the classic tile lane game about building castles. I still will pull it down from time to time for my wife and I to enjoy over an evening and its many incarnations. Number 41, Carcassonne. Number 40 to number 31. Number 40. I sort of broke a rule with this one, and that is that I try to play all the games on this list at least more than once. Um, well, this game is kind of long, so I'm going to squeak it in for that. The name of the game is Rune Wars. This is a fantasy battle game by Fantasy Flight. I, I don't play a lot of Fantasy Flight's games, but this one has a lot of strategy in it. And you know what? The thing I love about this game, it reminds me of Heroes of Might and Magic, which is the greatest computer games ever. And you're just building an army, and you're trying to go knock over the opponent's cities. And it's got just, you know... A, monstrous box full of fun components. I mean, this this is one of those games that you know, I kind of got giddy when I was just like opening all the pieces and, and sorting them into little bags. And I haven't gotten like that over a game in a long time. And then when I played the game, it, it had the experience to match that I was hoping for. And I know that I'm going to play this again uh, in 2012. So it made the list. Number 40, Rune Wars. Number 39, Indonesia. This is a new game to me, and I got to play this a few times and really enjoyed my plays of it. This is a game about running uh, farming businesses or shipping businesses and, and trying to ship those goods to the cities. And so you either play sort of the, the farmers or the shippers or a combination of each. And there's a couple of really interesting elements. There's a R&D tech track that you can only advance once on each turn, and they each have really significant, powerful abilities. And that choice is such an agonizing one that it's awesome. Uh, another part of the game, which is a little scarier, is the merger. You, you can start a company, and then a player can have the ability to merge two of those companies together and 
different players can auction on how much they want to spend to take control of that newer, larger company, which is a fascinating yet bewildering element of this game. You know, it's such a critical decision of whether to bid on that and how much to bid, and it's almost impossible to determine the worth of one of those businesses, which I think is a little bit of a knock against the game. Obscurity of value is, is important, but it might be just almost too obscured in this game. The other thing that's terrible about this game is the board. The board is horrible. You can't see where anything is. It's pretty, sure, but it doesn't work functionally, and, and that's terrible and makes me sad. But the play experience is pretty great, and I would look forward to playing this game again soon. It's number 39, Indonesia. 38, the old classic Alhambra. This matches a set collection with tile placement with a theme that kind of doesn't matter of building a garden palace. Uh, but it's, it's a classically fun game, great game to play with non-gamers, and you know, it, it's one of my turn twos um, when have some non-gamers around who want to play something fun. Number 38, Alhambra. Number 37, Die Bergen von Burgund. This is a new game by Stefan Feld. I give it the distinction of the only completely original game of 2011 that is on my top 50 list. The English title, and actually I think it has a wider release now, is The Castles of Burgundy. You're building a kingdom, and all you do is you're going to roll two dice, and the outcome of those two dice will limit some of the choices that you can make. But basically what you're going to do is take some tiles and add them to your little kingdom, and you're trying to complete different areas of your kingdom. Very nice medium weight game with a lot of decisions. The only reason it's not really higher is that with four players, I think this game is far too long for what it is. Great with two, uh, okay with three, but really nice spouse game. My wife and I have really enjoyed playing this together. Number 37, Die Bergen von Burgund. Number 36, Starfarers of Catan. It's Catan in space. Catan with more theme, sort of an adventure aspect to it. It's got all these wild bits, and it's just a, a gem, I think, that a lot of people they don't like, maybe because they played with too many players or, or they poo-poo the adventure cards, but I think it's a really fun game experience. Number 36, Starfarers of Catan. Number 35, Reef Encounter. I got a chance to play this just a few weeks ago, and it is still the, the fun strategic game that I enjoy. There are definitely some random elements about how the tiles come up, you know, you have four players being able to control how much things change as it comes back to your turn, but it's, it's a very good strategic game, a game that I'm, I'm not very good at. I think I got in last place when we played it, but I always enjoy playing it. And it really has that interesting, real thematic integration. Number 35, Reef Encounter. At 34, we have another newbie, and that is Jet Set. This takes a lot of the things that I just like about games and has it right there for me. And that's the network building that I talked about earlier. But also has that tension. It sort of has that, that mini Age of Steam tension where you're not making any money at the beginning of the game and you have a, a limited supply of money and you have to sort of get started getting income by building these little routes. And then in the middle of the game, you have to sort of string these longer routes together in order to get more significant victory points. 
and then people are racing for this final destination that you're trying to make. I really like this game. I think it's underrated. I think more people should give it a try, give it some love. Number 34, Jet Set. Number 33, Santiago. This is a game I always want to play again, and for some reason, I, I don't think anyone really gets excited about placing canals in in Chile. I, I'm not really sure why, but it's a mean game because one person gets to be the canal master and then all the other players get a chance to bribe him. He gets to decide who gets water and whose potatoes die. Come on, that's awesome. Play more Santiago. I hope I do. Number 33. Number 32, Stone Age. This, I think, is destined to become a classic. It's a, a worker placement game that in order to get your resources, you get to roll a whole handful of dice. Everything in this game just works. I love the way the resource management works. Yeah, there's there's a lot of luck in it, but it's a, it's a medium-weight family game, and it's a great one. It's a game I play with my wife. It's a game I'll, I'll look forward to play a lot more over the coming years, and, and I think it's going to stay on the list for a while. Number 32, Stone Age. Number 31, Demaka. I got to play this, I think, a couple times this year, and I'm learning to appreciate it more and more. I really enjoy when this comes out. It's not a perfect game. It has actually for the, you know, it has that, that Dungeon Lords kind of aspect. Not as not to as much of a degree, but there are certainly some random elements that can foil you in this game. But there's so many great things that go on in this game. So many interesting choices in this game that it's worth the investment. And it's a game I look forward to playing a lot more. Number 31, Dimaka. Plus, you get to say that. Dimaka. Like in your in your little uh, fake German voice. Dimaka. Number 30 to number 21. Number 30, Medici, Reiner Knizia game, greatest straight auction game there is, uh, a lot of valuation going on there, a lot of tense decisions, great, simple, elegant game. Number 30, Medici. Number 29, Acquire, the Sid Saxon classic economic game about getting stocks and placing tiles. If you haven't played this yet and you've played a lot of games, then you should really seek out a game of this immediately. Number 28, The Cities and Knights of Catan. Now, I had uh, someone in a review of the show say that this shouldn't be separate from Settlers of Catan. Here it is. His name is Alexander. Thank you for writing the review, Alex. And I hope uh, some of you other listeners, if you enjoy the show, will take a minute to write a review for the show. Uh, but I have to disagree with you, good sir. I think Cities is its own unique game, as well as Starfares that I mentioned earlier. I think that this is enough of a different game on its own you know it, this takes it to a, a gamery game level it was the first gamery game that, that i played a lot and and i really loved it and i still really think about this game and hope to play it more it takes what was simple and fun about Catan and brings it to another level and, and some people don't like that level but i certainly do number 28 cities and knights of Catan. number 27 notre dame Notre Dame, I, this dropped quite a bit on the list because I haven't played it much. And I did play it a couple times face-to-face, -face, but this was a, an online addiction 
Uh, it was a great game to play online. You could play it in about 15 minutes. And so I don't play it as much as I do anymore. But it still has a special place on my shelf and in my heart. And that's number 27, Notre Dame. Number 26, Teach You. Excellent partner trick-taking game it offers a lot of decisions the thing i love about teach you is there's so many more ways to play your hand than in a traditional trick-taking game and that makes it just a lot of fun to play number 26 teach you number 25 the settlers of Catan. i love and miss the settlers of Catan. you know this is a game that you can't i can at least bring it out to my game group because nobody wants to play it because everybody's burned out on it except me i i would still play this game and happily it is just a great experience the, the quick moving turns the simple negotiation i have many many fond memories of playing this and especially with my family and friends and hopefully when my kids get older then i'll get to get to play that quite a bit more number 25 the settlers of Catan. Number 24, Wizard. And Wizard jumped actually over Tichu this year. And, and in thinking about it, the reason was is because I'm able to bring out Wizard with more people. And, and I'm more willing to do that. With Tichu, I could bring it out to people. But it's there's a lot more to invest in a game of Tichu. With Wizard, I can literally explain the game in one minute. And we can all play and have a good time. And that's why it's jumped up a bit. And that's number 24, Wizard, a fabulous trick-taking card game. Number 23, Railroad Tycoon. As I think I said last year, if people won't play Age of Steam, some of those same people will play Railroad Tycoon. And, and I like it because it's got a, a whole unique feel all to itself that's different enough from just uh, Steam, but still retains a lot of those things I enjoy about the Age of Steam Steam series. Number 23, Railroad Tycoon. Number 22, Hansa Teutonica. It's a very unique game with a lot of interesting decisions that moves very fast. You just play a couple cubes on your turn. And last, last year, I haven't played this game that much. Not that I haven't wanted to, which is why it's dropped a bit on the list. But I really do like this game and, and want to keep playing it. Number 22, Hansa Teutonica. Number 21, Colosseum. Perfect package. I mean, this... This game has so much going for it. I mean, the production and all those little game elements that, that go into the game. It's a investment, auction, trading, and then execution. And it's just a box of fun opening it up with all of these great little pieces. And the artwork is so well done. I love this game. Number 21, Colosseum. Number 20 to number 11. Number 20, Goa. Oh, Goa. Oh, Goa. I'm punishing you by dropping you six spaces on the list for not being printed. I really love this game, and they've been tempting me with this new redesign from the designer, and it's going to come out soon. It's going to come out soon. Well, it didn't, and I'm still waiting for it. So please, Goa, come out in 2012, and maybe you'll get to go back up to your former glory. It's got a lot of things going on, a great auction system. It's very complex, but it's worth the complexity but it's very unique and it has some resource management going on, different almost technology tracks. I think this game is actually more interesting than its theme. 
Number 20, Goa. Number 19, Tigris and Euphrates. Excellent tile placement game. It really is a gamer's game. It does really take a lot of investment. It, it takes, you know, five, ten plays to start really getting good at this game. And I would like to play it more. I don't know if there's people who want to really commit to playing this a lot more and really getting good at it. It has so much depth. It doesn't quite have that gripping thematic connection. Uh, is missing a little bit of that. But the simplicity of the gameplay, much like Hansa Teutonica, is what I really enjoy about this. And juxtaposed with the complexity of the decisions and, and playing it well and making good choices makes Tigris and Euphrates a winner. Number 18, A Game of Thrones. This was a great Christmas present for me this year. I got the new edition of the Game of Thrones, which really you know, improved the game in a lot of subtle ways, but it's still basically the same game. And it, it really rose on the list for me, I think mainly just because I got to play it more and was excited about playing it, and I'm excited to play it again. It's a style of game that I really had to sort of figure out as a, sort of a direct conflict game with l very limited resources. But I'm glad that I've, I've put the plays into this one that I have. It's not a game that you have to be a, a Game of Thrones nut to like or, or a fantasy nut to enjoy. It's, it's just a solid strategic game on its own. Number 18, A Game of Thrones. Number 17, Merchant of Venus. You heard that right, Eric Summer. It is jumping, and the reason it's jumping up high on the list is because whenever I think about games that I want to play, this is one of them. And I haven't really played it that much, but I want to play it a lot. It's like crayon rails in space with lots of, you know, shields and warp drives and aliens and exploration, and it's just a lot of fun. And I'm glad that I made my own copy, even though someone eventually is going to reprint it for all of you that don't have a copy, and... That will certainly be a good thing because it is a game that deserves a wider audience. Number 17, Merchant of Venus. Number 16, Airlines Europe. Airlines Europe, of course, is a reworking of Union Pacific. And I'm replacing Union Pacific on the list with Airlines Europe. And, and that's because I simply don't own Union Pacific. But also because I think it's a very good replacement for that game. Union Pacific is a good game in its own right. And still, if anyone wants to send me a copy, I will happily accept it. But Airlines Europe is certainly a suitable substitute. And I'm so excited that it came out this year. Is my favorite game from the year. It's just a game I see getting a whole lot of play out of it. The thing about Airlines Europe is when it's in my box and everybody's trying to argue about, you know, what game they want to play or not want to play, almost everyone always will play Airlines Europe because almost everybody likes it. It's got that sort of ticket-to-ride type appeal. Speaking of which, number 15, Ticket to Ride. What a great game Ticket to Ride is. So simple, but so fun, and... Hopefully we can get more non-gamers into modern board games with this great tool that we have, Ticket to Ride. In fact, I saw a preview for Ticket to Ride at seeing the Muppet movie, which was awesome, by the way, completely off topic. That Muppet movie was, oh, it just filled uh, a happy place in my heart. And thank you. Muppets. But anyways, number 15, Ticket to Ride. It's such a great game. Everybody should have it. Everybody should play it. And I'll happily play it anytime. Number 14, Race for the Galaxy. 
This is a new game to me, believe it or not. I haven't played much Race for the Galaxy. Started messing around with this solo AI program from Keldon Jones. It's on Board Game Geek, and I was hooked. And, you know, I had played it a couple times, just figuring out the icons and everything. But going back and using this program and, and knowing what I was doing, I was just caught up in the simplicity and the thematic integration and just what a great game this is. I don't play it a ton because I don't have a whole lot of people who who really know the game and can play it quickly. Uh, but I, I do play it online. I use this little solo game format, and I absolutely love it. It's it's a great game, and, and it's perfect. I, I think maybe one or two of the expansions, and you're good to go. I think they might have gone a little overboard with it. I, I think there's only so much you want to add to it. I think it's a great game just how it is. I think maybe the first expansion cards, and, and you're good to go. You've got a great game that you can play for a long time. Number 14, Race for the Galaxy. Number 13, Agricola. Agricola is still a game I really enjoy playing. I played it a few weeks ago and, and had a good time with it. It doesn't hit the table a whole ton, uh, but I'm always pretty happy when it does. Number 13, Agricola. Number 12, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is fantastic. It's, it's just a wonderfully designed game, and I'll play it just about any time. It does have sort of that learning curve issue that you sort of want to play with people who are at your level. That's certainly what you want to do with this game. Either learn with a group of people or, you know, if you know the game, play it with all people who know the game. Otherwise, the game doesn't really work very well. This is a game you have to invest in. It's not a game you can just play once or bring out with, you know, friends or family. It's not really a good game for that. But when you really dive into this, it's a deep pool. That's number 12, Puerto Rico. Number 11, Dominant Species. Now, this game has settled a bit from my initial excitement of it. I had it up at 5 last year, and I think I've talked a bit about this on Ludology. I still really enjoy playing this game. It's still pretty high up, but there are some, there is some randomness with what other people can do to you, and you really have a lack of control and a lack of how much you can predict how much other people can affect you. And so you sort of have to know that going in. It's still a great experience, but I just have a hard time with the ability that players have to trounce one another quite easily. They can peg down other players at will. Uh, so that's why it's down a few spots, but still one of my favorite games. Number 11, Dominant Species. Number 10 to number 1. Here we go, the top 10. La creme de la creme. Number 10, Shogun. This piggybacked Dominant Species because it gives that sort of same feel of that epic of, you know, players able to sort of go at each other. Um, but I think it does it just a little bit better. And I think given the choice between those two games, I think I'd rather play Shogun more often than not. So many good decisions there to make, deciding which province does which action. And then, come on, you've got that battle tower. How awesome is that? One of the reasons why I like this better than Dominant Species is that you can sort of predict a little bit more by the cubes that are on the board what other players can do to you and how long it's going to take them to be able to stage an attack. Whereas Dominant Species, it's a little bit hard. There's a little bit too many elements to try to predict that. Shogun, great game experience. 
and a whole lot of fun. Number 10. Number nine, Brass. Brass is a game I hope to get to play more as opposed to Age of Industry. I like the more epic feel of playing two ages. I like the way the card management works. And you always have eight cards until you have to narrow down and narrow down and narrow down instead of having to get cards as a resource like you do in Age of Industry. I just prefer Brass, though, though I enjoy both games really gives that feel of developing there in England. I'm just amazed by Brass because uh, I think it's incredibly original, and that's why it's my number nine. At number eight is Lahav, the top of the Uwe Rosenbergs, the excellent resource management game. There's so much to try to figure out, a lot of different ways to play it. It's a little cleaner than Agricola with all those cards that you have to deal with. All the cards are public and don't change from game to game. It's dropped a bit because I just haven't played it quite as much. And that's number eight, Lahav. Speaking of playing games much, this is a game that I have played a lot, if only in the online version. It's dominated a lot of my board gaming, if you include all the plays that I have done online. And number seven is Through the Ages. I spent a lot of time playing this game, you know, a few times with with the real board, but probably over 20 full online games, and just have really enjoyed diving into this game. Last year, it didn't make the list. I played it a couple times face-to-face, and it was so long and had so much downtime. I think it's really a mistake if you're diving into this to play with four people. You, you don't want to do it. You actually just want to play with two or even try to learn it using that online implementation because that's the critical problem with this game is there are there is there is so much downtime that it almost makes it unplayable with four players in real life in my opinion unless you have four very fast players but the way all the cards work thematically and mechanically I absolutely love all the different leaders and wonders trying to figure out when you need to build up your military playing with different strategies different combinations of of leaders and urban buildings there's just so much to explore there and that's why it made it all the way up from not on the list to number seven and that is through the ages number six an old favorite for me Age of Empires. Age of Empires is one of my favorite games. It's a worker placement game where you can get these specialist workers. And I I just love the theme of this game. Uh, I love how the gameplay works out. It's got a great narrative arc to the game where, you know, players start building soldiers. There's different buildings that do interesting things. I love this game. I I don't play it a whole lot, but strangely, even such, it, it remains one of my favorite games. Age of Empires 3, that's my number six. Number five, a game I did play a few times, at least the game system, 18xx. I I continue to enjoy exploring this system. That's why it's jumped up a few spots. I got a chance to play Steam Over Holland, which is a a variation on the system. I played Poseidon. I enjoyed that as well. Straight up 1830. And I just enjoy the experience of building track, having the different companies. I'm always looking to play more 18xx. I'd love to explore more of 1856 or 1870. It's a great game system that if you're into heavy strategy games, you should really uh, 
give give 18xx a chance number four we have another game that soared a lot of spots up into number four and that is advanced civilization as you know i did the episode on this and you know we did our second straight annual game of this and i i just had a great time and i look forward to continuing to play this year after year it's just such a an epic fun game with, with honestly not that many rules but that provides such a great experience and that's number four civilization number three this is monumental dropping one spot is my beloved Kalos. Kalos is a game that i love you know that i love i've organized a holiday two years in a row to show my love of the game this classic worker placement game about getting resources and building castles it is fantastic a wonderful game it dropped one spot simply because I don't play it as much as the other two games above it. But if you have not played Kalos, you should dive into it and, and really enjoy the experience. It is a great one. Number two, Crayon Rails. Yes, Crayon Rails. And it's up there. It jumped a spot because I just keep playing it. We play it all the time. My wife and I enjoy it. It's sort of a ritual of ours. Um, I also like to put out a plug here. A, a non-compensated plug for the Empire Builder Pronto program that you know I've put on my laptop and gotten a bunch of maps for, and it has been worth every penny. Uh, my wife and I often play this together. Those of you who've never played a Crayon Rails game, sort of the first game was Empire Builder. It's a game about you know drawing rails on a map and and picking up goods and delivering them, trying to build up a network and creating an efficient network and making decisions about which deliveries to make. It is excellent. Listen to the Crayon Rails episode to find out more and give that a shot, or learn it by yourself and play using the Empire Builder Pronto program. And of course, my number one game of all time has not changed and that is the fantastic railroad game age of steam i have played this a lot over the last year a lot of the new maps and i'm still not tired of playing the game there's always a new twist and a new variation and that's part of the reason i think that that i play more crayon rails and, and age of steam more than say Kalos is because both of these games are sort of game systems and they can keep it fresh and some of these age of steam maps that are coming out are just bizarrely different you know like the the amazon rainforest that change it almost into a totally new game but they keep it fresh it's always interesting with a new map hits on all those things that i really enjoy a deep game the network building the tension it just just hits it out of the park for me and i expect to play this a lot more in the next year so that's it that's my top 50 as of 2011 i hope you enjoyed that maybe we can do it all again next year if you are intrigued by some of the games on it well most of them are covered already by the how to play podcast so i hope you will tune in to the episode featuring those games and pick them up and learn some great games but I'm going to have to shut out the light at the How to Play Studios right now because my wife called and told me I need to be at the family New Year's Eve party shortly. So you'll probably listen to this at some point in January, but I'd like to wish all of you listeners a very happy New Year. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Ryan Sturm of the How to Play Podcast. That wraps up this episode of How to Play, but be sure to visit us on our website, www.howtoplaypodcast.com, 
for all the How to Play resources. To discuss the show, to contact me, or to show your appreciation for the show with a PayPal donation. I count on your support to help keep How to Play growing. If you use and love the How to Play podcast, I need your help. Show your appreciation by making a donation, spread the word about the show, and just let me know what you think about the show there at the Guild. Thanks again to you, the How to Play listeners around the world. And until next time, I hope you will learn, teach, and play great games. The How to Play podcast is part of the Dice Tower Network, the premier board gaming media network, featuring Ludology and the flagship podcast, The Dice Tower. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Some game publishers have provided games to the How to Play podcast to support my efforts. If you are a game publisher that would be interested in providing games to the show, please contact me at ryan at howtoplaypodcast.com.